oh my god this morning my dog like i woke up came down and i was like just sit sitting there chilling watching tv um before we record and you know my dog comes up to me and he's like you know wagging his tail looking up mm-hmm. at me so i like pet him and bring him up onto the couch with me as soon as he like steps on top of me he like pisses all over me <laughs> <laughs> Oh like, my what? God. you are a perfectly trained well dog like <laughs> he was just that excited that you're there again yeah he just couldn't control insane. his bodily functions yeah uh, it happens every time like the first day i get home right if i have been gone for a year or whatever i like always greet him outside in the garage or whatever oh so that God. when he, he comes he comes up to me he like he gets super excited he pisses a little bit but then like normally everything after that is fine but not this morning. I think oh, yeah. he was just so excited to see me in the morning. I don't know. <laughs> and he wouldn't leave me alone, too, this morning. So I, I come, come now I'm in the basement. And I was like, I need to be in a quiet place, right? So I'm trying mm-hmm. to like go over to the basement, set up and everything. And he keeps following me. He was following me into the room, following me. He just like won't leave me alone. So I had to like go upstairs like really far and then like slowly sneak away as he was drinking a glass, like drinking a glass of water, drinking some water. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, I made it. Um, I, by the way, have uh at this point maybe three and a half hours. So I don't know if we should get into it just so that we. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you just... only have three and a half hours. <laughs> I can't believe we're here. We've gone through this journey so much. And today I was looking at what we're going to watch for the next season and moving on. And it's like, we are almost done in my head. I know we just finished past the halfway mark, but in my head, we're almost done. It's very interesting because now we have this payoff of being in the fourth season of a show because we have this recurring cast of characters and uh, we see them every once in a while. And, you know, I think they, they're not overdoing it. Um, and I'm pretty excited every time I see Boba or Cad Bane or the Bounty Hunters or other like or like criminals that we know. It's really really interesting mix because we get some Jedi stuff, some clone stuff, and we get you know the uh, the criminal side of things. Yeah, what I found interesting about the second half of season four is that, especially compared to the first half, where the first half I I would say is very clone warsy, right? There's like large battles versus the second one is much more, you know, bounty hunter, criminals, the underworld. You know, we really actually don't see much of the Republic, relatively speaking, in this in these episodes. Mm. Um, or the Jedi for that. Or the Jedi, really. Yeah. I mean, uh, unless you count Obi-Wan who's undercover for half of the season. <laughs> yeah. But really it's like it's a different side of the galaxy that we rarely see and Mm. it's amazing to delve into that in a unique way which is also an interesting move to make from the creator's perspective right it's it could could be a little bit um seen as a risk different from let's say other people who have been involved with star wars they know what people like about it oh for sure it's I think it's I mean, it's no doubt a risk, right? But they just pulled it off so well and as you said, it is commensurate with loving Star Wars is loving these kinds of bounty hunter criminal like types as well. And now 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 the Mandalorian also makes way more sense. Right? You know, as a as an idea. Yeah, 
And it's like you can see, you know, how they started to test many of the ideas that they put into fruition into the Mandalorian mm. in this show with a much longer leash because it would a, a was quote a t- kids TV show. Yeah, though I have to say it's getting increasingly brutal for a kids TV show. Yeah, who would have thought that? Um, I mean, I certainly didn't that Dathomir would turn out to be that important. Um, we get to see a lot this time as well. Though maybe not so much in the future. I love Dathomir. It's one of my favorite planets. It's such a cool setting for stuff. Like what happens on there is, you know, a mix of tragedy and interest. Yeah, it just becomes blatantly obvious that aside from the mother and uh, Ventress, all the other sisters are not that interested. Like they don't really matter for the plot. Yeah, of course. (laughs) But I mean, Mother Talzin is a really cool character. And yeah, we get to see Maul, Darth Maul, which is uh, very exciting. Obviously, we we heard about him last time. And so I was really anticipating how this was going to play out. And uh, yeah, in the beginning, I was a little bit disappointed, especially because he was so different from what we saw in the movie Solo. Yeah. And then, but everything changed, of course. And we're going to talk about it more when we're in the episodes. We're going to talk about that a lot. As with the people, we see certain planets every once in a while. We get to see Tatooine and Mos Eisley again, but it's not like super fan servicey. I think like it, it makes sense in term, terms of the narrative that Ventress goes there, that she would ha- hang out in Mos Eisley. So you know, it's like we get we get to see glimpses. It's not like too much of it. So and I appreciated that. Oh, it's perfect. And I think it's, I would argue, even better than how they handled it in The Mandalorian. Yeah, way right. better. So it is just like, oh, it's another planet that people go to, and it makes sense for bounty hunters to be, you know, congregating in that area. All right. So what what did you think about these the second half of the season? I have simultaneously a million things to say and also nothing to say. Okay. Um, just because there's this, it's just a collection of so many amazing things that happened and such interesting intrigue. Um, the one thing that I will say from the top that I really did not like, I really didn't like how much they, I think the writers seemingly fell in love with the idea of the name Moralo Eval. Oh, it's just like, they yes. kept saying it over and over and over again. I'm like, I think they thought they like were super creative by creating this name that sounded so cool, but it was just, just a terrible name. I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, also the fact that he's talking in the third person is just yeah, it's is so annoying. annoying. I mean, if if he just did it like two or three times, I think that would have been a cool character choice. Yeah. But now that like that he he just does it over and over again and I was like, yeah. We know every everyone knows you know your own name. Congratulations. Now shut up. Yeah. Especially because he doesn't do it all the time. Like sometimes he uh switches to the first first person. <laughs> and it's like, ah, uh, that's not even consistent. So I'm never like a fan because there's this idea that evil people speak in the third person. It's yeah. just like a thing that they do always. I think it's supposed to, you know, highlight egocentrism and narcissism, but it just doesn't play well. Like it, I don't, I don't like it in this context. And also, like the other characters kept saying his name is too. So it just ended up being his name. Just every time they would say it, it would just pierce my ears. And I just really didn't like it at all. Yeah, Chris isn't a fan. <laughs> There's obviously weaker and stronger episodes, right? But I wouldn't say that there is a down point 
in these these episodes. Yeah, I don't think there was one episode that was just really bad, you know? But I think season four as a whole, just is just a strong season. Yeah. Right. J- just two quick comments here. I We obviously see Cad Bane again. We, we both like him. But I have to say his hat affectation. God. I that was the first time I thought okay this is uh, I don't like him as much anymore that was stupid I can I can clearly see in the writers room they thought that, that was hilarious well I thought it was fine the first time he picked up a hat in the store whatever but then when he goes to kill the other guy for the hat I'm just like all right man yeah exactly it's it's like the the name thing right it's like you can do it once or twice but if you do it too many times I'm out of here yeah 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 all right, so episode 14, um, we're back on Mandalore. Yay! Woo! And in this, this time we're going for negotiations between the Separatists and the Republic and Lux Bonteri, uh, Ahsoka's, you know, f- friend slash person they met at that, I don't know. Lux Bonteri shows up with a plan to find where Dooku is, is and go and kill him, basically. He, of course, then allied with the Death Watch, and due to a circumstance, uh, you know, a set of circumstances, Ahsoka ends up there with him. Um, and then he slowly realizes over the episode that the Death Watch are assholes, and <laughs> Ahsoka then saves the day, and R two and a bunch of droids. Yeah, what would anyone do without R two? He is like MVP, and also I'm really loving the idea that he's an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It just makes everything that he does is just like puts it in a completely different context. I'd like to first talk about if that's fine. Um, is how it's cr- how crazy it is that Mandalore is such a central part of the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. It's like everything that important that happens goes to Mandalore. It's not on Coruscant, I guess. Yeah, it's incredible how integrated it is, and especially for a so so called independent planet Mm. i mean that is the reason why it why it like why the the meeting is on there right yeah this particular meeting but i'm talking about on a larger scale like everything Mm -hmm. we talk about we go back to mandalore all the time um i and it's amazing to me how it all just stems from like one line from episode five of star wars essentially yeah and it's just like incredible how this all comes from boba's you know, armor essentially that makes him interesting. I don't know why people loved Boba, but I love him as well. And it's just like this amazing thing that we've developed this whole planet off of this one character mm-hmm. and a whole like culture behind it. And it's just, I'm excited to every, every time we go to Mandalore, even when, you know, we in this case, we only, what, well, we saw half a shot of Satine and like 10 seconds of Padme and Ahsoka in the negotiation table. But like, it's still, you know, it's a great setting for me and it immediately gets me into any episode essentially yeah we're immediately very invested this time i really felt what you mentioned in the previous episode that every time we go back to mandalore now i am a little bit anxious whether it's going to be a good thing that happened there whether it's going to be interesting because we did see some not so good ones yeah for sure i think this one was just like it was fine in and out so it was it wasn't really about mandalore right yeah yeah, what did you think about Lux's plan? He just fumbled his way through there. Right? I really liked that he wanted to do whatever is necessary to get his revenge. And, you know, I guess revenge is one of the motifs of this show. 
and you know the the enemy of the en- of my enemy is the friend sort of thing but it kind of backfires on him my attitude towards his plan can be summarized by my reaction to one of his last lines in this episode where he says to Ahsoka um we make a pretty good team don't we and I just was livid and I was like no you fucking don't everything you wanted to do went ro- just went wrong and Ahsoka saved you yeah, he's kind of annoying personally. I don't like him that much. Um, yeah, I would have loved. I don't. Know, I, maybe you would disagree. I would have loved if he just literally just turned evil there, and just yeah. like was like justified everything the Death Watch did, and then forced Ahsoka to run away. Yeah, he's just like in over his head. Yeah, exactly. He really shows his character that he's one of these people that you know sometimes hereditary rule is not a good idea. Amen. Um, because he is just. He is not capable at all. I mean, he's also pretty young, but still, we have a lot of weird things here, like the female Mandalorian, like uh, slapping Ahsoka's butt and all of these sorts of things. We have at least know, it wasn't a male Mandalorian. That would have been way too much, and I don't think they would have gotten away with it. Yeah, we have uh, as well, like the uh, mistreat, like the Death Watch mistreating the droids for sport, basically. I had a note on that actually. R2 was so L3 in that moment. It was like, yes. I, I was like, okay, R2 is going to incite a riot, isn't he? And then, like, later on, he was like, yes, he's doing it. <laughs> I love that. But I had a note really quickly on that, if that's fine, on how mm-hmm. they, you know, when they enter the Death Watch camp, they have scenes of the Death Watch torturing the droids. And it's, you know, when you, it's made to look as if they're torturing humans. And, you know, as a marker of how evil the Death Watch are. And yes, I find that compelling because I love droids. Um, But it is an interesting humanization of droids that they have actively tried to dehumanize throughout the Clone Wars, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, it's like we're not supposed to take a battle droid's death seriously, but we're supposed to take the quote unquote torture of droids of these droids seriously it's a very interesting you know juxtaposition when you compare both sides of the coin here mm-hmm. i don't know if you thought that was inconsistent but i i felt a little bit inconsistent um but that was just me yeah that's very true and i was just going to mention you know the humanization of droids because it occurred to me um that both of us refer to r2 and c3po as he yeah good point C-3PO maybe makes more sense just because of the voice. Yeah. Um, but you're right about R2 in particular. You can't help but humanize them in a way. I mean, that's what our brains are wired to do in a way, right? Well, it's also like how we refer to pets. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's really, you know, as we've talked about a million times, is that um, droids in the Star Wars universe are literally just like pets in our real world. Yeah, but way more useful i mean no no offense towards your dog but i don't think he could do the things that r2 does (laughs) i liked as well in the beginning of the episode just to jump back really quickly that ahsoka didn't have have her lightsabers because they were on mandalore on in this like negotiation we get um we get ahsoka obviously being kind of caught in the dichotomy of separatists and the republic that has has occurred previously as well, especially with the Bonteries, you know, with uh, Lux's mother as well. She has this discussion. She had this discussion in an earlier episode. There's so much gray area within it that it's interesting for her to be exposed to it. You know, really mm-hmm. 
no, this is not the first time she's been exposed to it, but in, in another you know, moment. She has a sense of morality that transcends the Republic. It is not beholden to any single dogma, but it is clear to her that the Death Watch are bad. Not just because they are not part of the Republic, but because they do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, they not only enslave droids, but also humans. They are, you know, they just slaughter the locals, um, which I thought, like, is this supposed to be a surprise attack? Because, I mean, who is surprised by that? Yeah, right. It was it was uh, presented as a surprise, but I was like, oh, come on. So the, the thing that I like most about this episode is um, the jetpack action. I love a good jetpack. It's amazing. I just love seeing a lot of them at once, too. Yeah, exactly. So cool. I also love how Ahsoka, when she's fighting Previsla, who is just like a fucking loser, every time he tries to like one up somebody, he just gets his ass whooped. Um, when she like, you know, hits his jetpack to get it to explode, it's just so smart by her. It's a really cool like touch there. She's so OP. She like kills four members of the Death Watch at once. Oh my god, that like jump when she jumps up and yeah. quadruple beheads them. That's that's so that's so intense. It's kind of a foreshadowing uh of uh the uh, the episode of the mandalorian though of course it doesn't work like that necessarily but you know her and the fog really reminded me of the uh, mandalorian episode with her oh Just interesting the so cool well i did find like so when i when you know in the mandalorian in that episode it does feel like ahsoka like the ahsoka yeah, that we see in the clone exactly. wars it, it's a really good parallel between the two it's amazing how they were able to copy the way she moves and the way she fights to her live action. And it's really interesting because she is the most badass when she's not with Anakin or with other Jedi. Yeah, for We've sure. We've seen that previously as well. Well, I think partially is that it's she is most badass when she's by herself. Exactly. And not within, yeah. like, not only by herself, not with other Jedi, but outside of the structure of the army. Right? So when she is commanding large armies... And she's one part of a whole. Maybe she's not the like. She's still cool. She's still Ahsoka, but mm-hmm. she's not as she's not doesn't thrive as much as when she's going around infiltrating, being by herself, figuring shit out, as opposed to being a leader per se. We're such stands. We should just rename this podcast to "We Love Ahsoka" or something like that. <laughs> the official Ahsoka fan club uh, podcast or whatever. I'm sure there is ten of those already. I hope so. If not, that's <laughs> that's something that we can do. Um, I love as well when she is fighting with against the dark saber. You can see the path of the dark saber. I really like that visual. I love the dark saber. The more that I see it, it's just like such an awesome idea. And the fact that it was like you know created by a Mandalorian Jedi is just like oh, it's just like it it embodies Mandalorian culture and aggressiveness in a way. Mm-hmm. And it is the perfect epitome of what you know, the melding of these two cultures can become. And it's cool because it's like, you know, again, it is this gray area between the light and the dark. And this Mandalorian culture sort of, to a certain extent, exists in that specific zone, specifically exists in that gray zone. And it's really cool to see how these things are all operating with one another it's just amazing and a part of okay i guess part of the whole thing in this second half of the season is that gray area as well right there's obviously the bounty hunters which are pretty clear on like the bad side 
maybe I take that back. I don't know. It's like because I like to think of Maul also maybe separate from the dichotomy because he's no longer yeah. a Sith, right? Yeah, yeah. So I put Maul in the same category as the Mandalorians in that way, but I'm not sure whether that actually holds because Maul is clearly a bad guy, right? He might not be the Sith bad guy, but he is also a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, in a way, he's worse than than the Sith because the Sith you see coming. <laughs> but yeah but like you know somebody who works in the you know who works the way he does is just all the more threatening in a way yeah that's a good point especially like it's like if you're just a random guy in radonia that just like woke up one day and just oh Mar- darth maul woke up and decided <laughs> to just fly over here and murder yeah. everyone it's yeah. like well, we're getting ahead of ourselves we'll get there though. but i'm just like yeah okay yeah. you're right he is kind of worse <laughs> in some ways <laughs> Despite what I said earlier about how um, I would have liked to see Lux become the bad guy, I do like that he doesn't turn towards the Republic yeah. at the very end. He like leaves Ahsoka, and it's nice to portray the Republic as not always the savior for everybody, but you know, it has good people within it, maybe, but it is still muddled, the whole narrative of, oh, don't you just don't go running to Coruscant and everything will be fine. You have there is like things that have to be considered on both sides here. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's you know what makes these you know what makes a- any type of media more interesting is when you leave uh when you go into the gray scale of things and it's not just black and white and I love I love me a good ambiguous character. Have you had you heard about George Lucas's um drafted sequel um trilogy that he was writing before the disney purchase or whatever did you know the basic plot points no i have no idea can i say this to you because it's not it won't actually happen it's not a real spoiler it's just something that he i mean who knows with the news that have broken recently who knows but okay sure yeah yeah, no no no. you can tell me for sure yeah it definitely won't happen because the first thing i'll say will clarify to you so the in the sequel trilogy actually leia was supposed to be the chosen one so she would emerge as actually the chosen one in this whole the whole thing and the main villain would have been Darth Maul's apprentice, apparently. Oh, that's good. Right? That's, that's amazing. So good. Both of those things I love so much. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh, man, that's a good idea. Not going to lie, Georgie. Yeah. I mean, also Leia being the uh, the uh, hero. Yeah, right? The, both of them is, some, is just awesome. Our next batch of episodes are episodes 15 through 18, in which... Obi-Wan's murder is staged and oh lo and behold he's alive because he's always been alive and they can't actually kill Obi-Wan so Obi-Wan goes undercover as a bounty hunter as actually the bounty hunter who killed Obi-Wan and gets put in jail to ally with a criminal whose name as we've said is absolutely amazing of course second to Billy Bob really in the Star Wars universe that is uh, a Moralo Eval and Cad Bane, who are in prison on Coruscant, who then escape together, the three of them do. And Obi-Wan and his new friends end up in Nalhada, where they have to then escape tracking by the Jedi and Anakin, and then eventually end up on Sereno with Count Dooku and a series, and they undergo a series of tests to see who should run lead on a mission to capture emperor palpatine sorry oops chancellor palpatine <gasps> how dare i spoiler alert 
And lo and behold, um, it is, of course, Cad Bane who leads this effort. And when they do get to Naboo, they do end up capturing Palpatine, but only for a hot second, as Obi-Wan reveals himself as the infiltrating bounty hunter in this whole scenario. And yeah, so they end up failing in their mission long term, but it was a fun sequence of episodes and we have a lot to talk about, I can imagine, through them. Also, I'm just going to like shout out Embo is back and Embo is the fucking Yeah, bomb. I know. He's <laughs> the best. I was just going to mention earlier, like, I hope he has uh, some form of, um, he makes some sort of appearance in The Mandalorian because I would love to see a uh, live action oh, that's Embo. awesome. I demand an Embo series. <laughs> yes, that too. I wasn't going to go that far, but I i mean, I would be on board with that. Absolutely. And you you could really go for the samurai sort of thing, you know? That would be amazing. It would be so cool. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah. So my first thing I want to talk about is, A, it's kind of ironic that, and I mean, this happens over and over again, but it, I always find it ironic that is the Jedi are trying so hard to keep Palpatine safe. And it's just like a flex by Palpatine because he's planning this whole thing, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, I'm just going to get get the Jedi to think that they're protecting me this whole time. Obviously, this this has a through line through all four episodes. What we see at the very beginning when Anakin is complaining about the Jedi Council. Yes. And you can see like the beginnings of the his dissatisfaction starting. Yeah. And in, especially in episode 16, Palpatine is really good at pulling at those strings, you know? No, it's amazing. This whole that's what this whole episode these episodes are about. It's not only about Obi-Wan's adventure, but it is about setting up Anakin's dissatisfaction with the Jedi Council and how he feels betrayed by them. So one of the amazing things about this sequence is that it it sets up what happens in episode three of Star Wars as not really a shift that came out of nowhere, but a nail in the coffin that has been built throughout a long and sustained period of time. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Clone Wars is actually doing so much to even fix some of the problems of the prequels. Mm-hmm. It's amazing if you think about it like that. It's, ah, I, I just love it. It's just, it's, it shows how good this show is that it can redeem some qualities of literally the shittiest movies ever made. So what did you think about the whole plan by the jedi to you know fake obi-wan's death absolutely idiotic <laughs> yes <laughs> i loved this sequence of episodes i the only thing that i really hated was the setup it's just stupid like you know anakin is like gonna lose his shit if obi-wan dies and you know like oh my god it's underpredictable He's more unpredictable if you lie about, lie to him. Yeah. And the thing is, at the very, in the middle of, I forget what fucking episode this was, but Yoda has a conversation with Anakin saying, you know, calm your shit. We'll leave Obi-Wan to do his thing. And Anakin's like, okay. They just could have had this fucking conversation with him at the beginning. Exactly. Oh my God. It's so stupid. I, 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 you know what? In the end, I don't mind as much the idea of killing obi-wan fake killing obi-wan and then putting him as a undercover jedi or whatever you know what i mean right so like i don't so i don't mind the killing of obi-wan the fake killing of obi-wan and like infiltrating the bounty hunter universe that's fine that part's okay but leaving anakin and everyone out of the loop is really stupid 
especially by Yoda. Like, come on, man. You know your shit better than this. You should. And then on top of that, right after they tell Anakin, like, I think the next episode, literally everyone knows. The entire Jedi Council is aware of this. And I'm just like, okay. Was it like all or nothing? Did it really have to be like that? I'm so sorry. You can go in now. Sorry. Of course, this is going to erode Anakin's trust in the Jedi Council and antagonize him. Like, what were they expecting? And like Yoda even states that outright in episode 17 of how dangerous Anakin can be. Anakin doesn't trust the Jedi Council because the Jedi Council is not trustworthy. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. And it's really interesting because, you know, the prequels in general are portrayed as how did the Sith come to power, right? Mm. The rise of the Sith. But I really think it should be more framed as the fall of the Jedi Mm. and how the Jedi Council is inept and stupid and not trustworthy and is mismanaging an entire galactic conflict. And Anakin is essentially the tipping point between the two forces of power between the Jedi and the Sith. Mm -hmm. I think that's... A really cool idea thinking about it now, like how this is really about the failures and the fall of the Jedi. They themselves are to blame. And it is, you know, the fucking Sith is are, is like right the head, like the guy, in, like, ah, he's right there in front of them and they don't notice. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Just going back to episode 15 quickly. Um, the uh, I was very excited to see Obi-Wan without his hair and beard. That was really interesting. That was so weird. That was really funny, and but then like the facial transformation and the vocal emulator there, that was like really painful. I, I liked I liked this this contrast between Anakin and Ahsoka. Somehow, you know, they know the uh, location of the of the assassin, and then Ahsoka is questioning it, like how did how did they know? And Anakin is like, who cares? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's Anakin for you. And uh, you know, Anakin uh, says he's he'd kill the assassin. Like, he says it in front of Ahsoka, which, again, is, like, not cool. Right. Uh, I love that Obi-Wan's codename is Ben. It's so funny. It's so good. <laughs> but also, also Mace really needs to work on OPSEC because he just keeps calling him Obi-Wan throughout. That was really stupid. Like, what's It's ridiculous, the, what's, right? It's like, yeah, great. Like, ugh. That's so bad. And actually, the thing that I took most umbrage with in at least episode 15 is when they're in the prison it's like a trope in prison uh like shows and movies that there is like this person in there that has you know so much sway that they have kind of have influence with the guards which i can understand but not in star wars not when the those guards are clone troopers that doesn't make any sense you're right that makes zero sense i didn't think about that oh fuck that's so stupid yeah, that's one of the biggest plot holes in my in in my books. Holy shit. That makes sense. Well done. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> well done. Because normally I have an explanation for those kinds of things that you notice. And this time I'm just like, nope. To be honest, though, like about this prison scene, a very small thing. Really, really small. It is really weird to see Cad Bane without a hat. He has a weird head. Yeah, I mean, I get why he's, uh, you know, into hats that much. But they, they they just do overdo it a little bit. I I loved as well in the prison that you see a lot of familiar faces. Yeah, right. This prison outbreak is sort of the reason why a lot of things happen sub subsequently. Like Boba wouldn't have gotten out of there 
you know, the whole Ventress thing with the bounty hunters. I, I love a good, I love a good prison outbreak. But not Embo, because no one can ever capture him. Because he's a fucking no. boss. <laughs> Embo. Embo is the best. I, I love the whole thing. Like, Obi-Wan, uh, you know, obviously disguised as this other assassin, bounty hunter person. It's like And Cad Bane, like, squabbling all the time. I love that. That was super cool. No, I think I, I really like the back and forth between them. I think it's justified to a certain extent because they're both alphas or obi-wan's trying to be an alpha and cad bane is an alpha so it makes sense they butt heads and they'd never really um get get along until the very climactic moment where cad bane kind of saves his ass yeah i mean they both save each other right so yeah over time i mean it's obviously obi-wan saves cad bane first obi-wan had to be like that like assertive like that because otherwise he would never win his like cad bane's respect right yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, yeah, Obi-Wan was great as a infiltrator. It's amazing to see him integrate in that way and really, like, seamlessly go into that universe. I really like Obi-Wan in here. That makes me all the more excited, uh, excited for the show. Right? It sounds amazing. Obi-Wan's great. This show is redeeming so many shitty characters, to be honest. And what I love about Obi-Wan in these episodes is that, like, somehow, just somehow... This character, um, as he is like Reiko Hardin, he is himself Reiko and also Obi-Wan at the same time. It is amazing how you can see the through lines of Obi-Wan's character as you're watching this character like go through these challenges. It's a, it's yeah. phenomenal. I love it. Yeah, I, lo- I love that Dooku kind of immediately sees that there's something off with uh, Obi-Wan. And totally makes sense because yeah, you know, obviously exactly. Force-sensitive. Yeah, if if not for episode eight, the last Jedi, and Luke cutting himself off from the Force, uh, I would not have, you know, I would have asked why Dooku can't feel Obi Wan's Force presence. Oh, that makes sense. It's great in the box uh, that um, Obi Wan basically helps everyone. It's like a little bit too, like he sees through everything really quickly, which was, you know, take a little bit more time. That would probably be more realistic. Um, and I was wondering, you know, everybody else seems like not that capable. And I was wondering, how was Cad Bane able to win the last two rounds? I mean, we know he is so capable, but in this episode, he really doesn't look that skilled, you know? That's actually a good point. But I guess it's just in stark contrast to Obi-Wan. I think that's what it is. I mean, like, Moralo Ival set up the box as being something super super intense yeah and i think that it would have been intense every single level would have been if it weren't for obi-wan and you know as good as cad bane is he still isn't a force sensitive jedi master right exactly yeah i, I love as a subplot the continuing or continuous demotion of your wall <laughs> yeah <laughs> through the great. episodes and like dooku's like yeah Maybe you're not in, you're not gonna be in charge, and then eventually, of course, it's Cad Bane who is in charge. So I love that. Well, he's just so good. He gets demoted to getaway driver, which must hurt. Going to the last episode of this arc, those shadow holograms sure are useful. That's an interesting yeah, technology right? that we, at least in the movies, don't don't really see. Maybe those they are show up. Insane. They are so good, and I love I love the visual as well. That sometimes you can, for the purposes of the audience, you can see through them. I like yeah. I like that a lot. 
Yeah, I li- I like the uh, the bounty hunters uh, in general, like all of them, like you know the the tentacle. I like alien. the lizard one, the tentacle one. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> just shocking Anakin, uh, like con- unconscious. That was pretty intense. And yeah, again, we in this episode in particular, we see the the conflict with the Jedi Council. You know, Anakin being furious because Obi Wan lied and the Council lied, and you know, are you sure you know the whole truth? That's a great that's a great question. Exactly, right? And Palpatine's just so good seeding discord. In a, yeah, in episode I think fifth, 16 he tells 16. Anakin 16, sorry. Do not like do not trust they don't trust you to control your feelings or something like that. And exactly. Like a great line. I'm like, "Oh, so good." Yeah, and in episode 18 as well he says, uh, "I thought Jedi's always work as a team." You know, when uh, Anakin is venting his frustration about not being included in the plan. Also, another great line from Palpatine at the very end. Uh, One shudders to think where the galaxy would be without the Jedi. Yeah. Oh, the show, this foreshadowing is so good. It's amazing. He is just like, you know, rubbing it in. Mm-hmm. Where Anakin tells Palpatine, as long as I live, no harm will come to you. Yes. And I'm just like, oh my god. Yes. <laughs> if only you knew. Yeah. Yeah, such such a good arc. I lo- like, I basically... Okay, the premise was annoying. Um, but ba- I basically loved everything else about, about it. Anakin's wrath was almost underplayed. I feel like he would have been mo- even more furious and, like, violent... Uh, after especially Obi-Wan's after episode death. 16 i'd say like episode 15 it like he was angry as fuck yeah and then after that it was like okay he calmed down slowly especially after yoda talked to him mm-hmm. all right there was that conversation and they don't really see much from yoda after that but really i think they should have you know let it keep going and festering the whole time but of course i have to mention this like when anakin is uh knocked out by obi-wan and cad and ahsoka comes in to save him just the way that she's standing over him, like just with this oddly motherly protection of mm-hmm. Anakin, it's absolutely incredible. It just like I I love it whenever they're on screen together. Of course, um, it's just so touching the way that she saves him, and it's just Padawans saving their masters in a way that is so um, heartwarming. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't go an episode of Serial Hooked without you talking about the rela- the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka. We can't. It's have the that. best. I love it so much. <laughs> oh. I really like that they have started as a show to lay off the Anakin Padme relationship. Yes, I mean they. For example, they do have screen time together today. Mm. Today, wow! In this episode, <laughs> they have screen time, but it is they don't really laid on heavy they're just friendly they just kind of they're actually hiding their relationship Mm. and it is like oh man it's nice to see them like this i almost don't mind them in this capacity and it just makes everything better so if you don't have an eye-rolly shitty relationship like clouding everything it's like it's actually a nice enjoyable watching experience so you have episode 19 and 20 19 massacre 20 bounty in which um Count Dooku orders Grievous to lead an attack on Dathomir to massacre all of the Night Sisters. Um, surprise, surprise! Only Ventress and Talzin survive. Um, Conveniently, I wonder why. <laughs> and Ventress, um, lost, not knowing what to do, she uh, becomes a bounty hunter and goes off to 
join Boba on a mission in oh I forget the name of the planet, but in doesn't a mission, matter. yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, in a bounty hunter engagement, whatever you want to call it. Um, such an amazing sequence, but um, I just said it was amazing, but I was a little bit underwhelmed by the battle sequence. I yeah. felt the Night Sisters would be more well equipped to fight off the droids, at least make it a more even battle. Yeah, I found their bow and arrow as the only weapons that they have very odd, other than like Mother Talzin and the old lady, which is very interesting. Um, I also, I mean, I kind, I personally, I, I guess I like the undead army. It's a little Lord of the Ringsy, obviously. Yeah, and we also saw it with like Geonosis. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a different capacity, obviously. But I just wish there was more to the Night Sisters as like mm-hmm. a fighting force. They were just like played up as a strong antagonist to everyone, essentially, and they could survive on their own. Similar to Mandalores, right? They're the Mandalores, but witches, essentially. But I'm just like I was kind of underwhelmed by their their force. And there's like a and also the scale of the battle. So for example, like the size of the army, there are like 15 of them max. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, all right come on let's calm down a bit like you need more either more of them or they need to be super powered or something interesting has to happen other than just mother talzin um even though i do like the tortured dooku scene i found that very fascinating Mm -hmm. um but i don't know i'm just like talking a lot about this episode right now but despite i think it was a really good episode or a good episode maybe not really good but i did you know i was underwhelmed by the action sequence per se I have really come to like Ventress. She's really Me cool. Me too. Uh, I mean, I mean, we're gonna talk about her um, ambiguity late in the in the next two episodes, which you know finally pushed me over the edge. But even in in these two, um, oh, she's so cool. Like she, the whole thing of leaving the leaving behind this the path of the Sith, and it was actually really tragic that kind of she has always been looking sh- looking for for uh for family in a way and then they're saying like now you know she has her sisters and like she you know the night sisters are the family ventress always craved and then five minutes later they're all dead uh that's really tragic and then she does this whole lone wolf thing yeah and she's also just such a badass fighter and so vicious in a way and every episode this season i loved her so much I was wondering, uh, you know, you mentioned the like voodoo witchcraft thing with Dooku. You know, how does he survive that? Like, he gets literally thrown into a flame. Like, how does that work? Like, why doesn't he just die immediately? I think he would die. I think it would have just like it was basically a timing thing. You know, Grievous came in at the right moment and like knocked the cauldron over. Yeah. Um, but you are right in terms of it's a little bit weird. And I didn't like the timing of how like convenient it was that Grievous yeah, saved right. Dooku at the last second. It's like, well, all right. That's not, that's a little too convenient. Especially because, because uh, Dooku tells Grievous to hurry. And still, like, it's not like the droids are running. They're marching. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, right. They could have hurried it like a little bit, you know? I mean, maybe maybe Grievous thinks like, okay, if Dooku dies, I'm just going to be the next one in line. So who cares? Um, but he seems pretty loyal to to Dooku. 
Um, what did you think about the fight between Grievous and Ventress? Ooh, I kind of liked it, to be honest. I didn't think about it too much because I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, we're doing this. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, Ventress is such a skilled force user or such a skilled lightsaber, like a duelist, that it's impressive that she would be able to, you know, hold her own against Grievous that much. And, of course, Grievous is a fucking dick. <laughs> yeah, sure. Exactly. Right? Uh, just like, whatever. But I do, I did like the, the visual behind it. It's cool to also see the red blades against all of his, like, Jedi blades. Mm. It's a nice, like, just because we've always seen Grievous against Jedi. We never seen Jedi, Grievous against uh, a Sith or a, a dark side wield, dark side force wielder. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is, that is kind of, you know, what Ventress has against him. Like, she can use the force and he can't. Exactly. And she uses it well. I mean, she's she's like a very strong, like, person, right? She can hold her own against yeah, fully fledged sure. Jedi masters, and just as I mean, I would it. also watch a show about her. I mean, and that's kind of a testament. We, I mean, we say this a lot, um, but that just demonstrates how many interesting characters there are in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and Ventress, I would definitely see a show about Ventress. Yeah, maybe one I'd day. Love her so Who knows? Much. The next episode, we have a lot of bounty stuff. I just love a good heist scene. Like I just it's love so like this good, kind of right? shit. Like, right? It's just awesome. Give me more of this, please. At some point, I want to watch like a like a compilation of all the heist scenes in Star Wars. It's so cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's like one of the highlights of Solo as well. That yeah, one of the few scene. Yeah, <laughs> Oof, sick burn. Um, there was this really weird line at the beginning of like our merry band of bounty hunters that was i felt like a little bit misplaced in terms of the tone of the episode but okay i was really pumped to see boba again he's grown so much they grow up so fast yeah he's cool now like i like yeah he's cool now exactly um i mean it was super uh, predictable that this box was gonna be opened at some point but yeah they made that pretty obvious I love as well that Boba has a helmet. You know, that's yes. obviously foreshadowing things. We see basically space ninjas uh, here, which <laughs> I thought, you know, it's like at first I thought okay, I was like rolling my eyes at that, but then I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it more. I'm, I'm down for it, whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's fun. And they're cool too. Yeah, exactly. And like successively, they, uh, you know, more and more bounty hunters get thrown off the train which I just thought was pretty funny. Like they don't get killed or anything or just not knocked unconscious. They just all get thrown off the train. Yeah. Not a single one dies. Yeah. Also like the other guy. So like the, the first guy to get thrown off the train, the guy who's in the back with Ventress. Yeah. He's useless as fuck. He does nothing. Know, right? Every other one of them do something except for him. Yeah. The only thing he brings to the team is a British accent. That's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not that valuable. Let's be honest. Yeah. Don't tell Luke. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like the conflict between Ventress and Boba as well. Yes, that's great. And it makes so much sense too. Yeah, exactly. Another plot hole for me was why would the like ruler guy not check the contents of the box before he allows Ventress to leave? Yeah, right? It literally makes no sense. Like this is how all like exchanges work. Exactly. You, you need to stay. 
I really liked at the end that, of course, she got like a little bit extra for herself, but she lets the girl and her brother go and pays off the entire team, including Boba. That I, that I thought was like a pretty boss move. You know what I would love to see is um, a Ventress show of her turn to the light. Yes, I, I was hoping for that, actually, like uh, when she was, okay, now I'm leaving behind the dark side. I was like, yeah, you could be redeemed. That would be an interesting thing to happen. But I guess, you know, it probably coincides with the fall of the Republic. So that's probably not good. Not a good time, right? <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe she's going to be like Obi-Wan's sidekick in the live action show. As her his new Padawan or whatever. You never know. <laughs> I don't think so, but. I also like like just on that little group, Merry Band of Bounty Hunters. I really liked Heisinger, the droid. Yeah, he was cool. He was like he had like some IG eleven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a fun one. Yeah. He was I was cool. I actually I liked all of them except for a useless British man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was useless. But like the 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 woman with the like I don't even know what it's called. Leaves? I don't know. I call them like arms i don't know what you want to call them yeah but that was also a really cool weapon it did, didn't do all the same problems that star wars often does or shows often do by over sexualizing the female characters or yeah. making things super simplistic or making the way that they fail artificial or silly right it kind of all like flows really nicely makes sense there's no distraction it is just about the action sequence and it's really well done i really enjoyed it yeah yeah and that's actually something to point out usually i complain about some form of like representation of women or treatment of women and of course in the very epi first episode there's that you know smack on the butt of ahsoka but that's kind of the worst that happens in this like what all these episodes that we're talking about yeah yeah it's like pretty it's really good it's an improvement over even this own show for sure yeah exactly so it's like continuously evolving and i appreciate that a lot yeah, it's just great. I, I really like I really like this episode. There's not it's really interesting. So like for the episodes where there are like um a lot of action sequences or like it's one action sequence is the whole episode. It like there's less to say, but it is just good and it's so enjoyable. I know, um, right? So it's a really weird mix between I just like I don't want to leave this episode behind yet, but I really have nothing else to say other than I loved it. Yeah, and the like the fight choreographies were great. Um, I like that a lot. It was a little bit weird to see, like you know, there are a few of the space ninjas getting on the train, and then they defeat all of them, and then there's a new wave of space ninjas. I, I, like, why don't they just have all of them board the train at once, and then they can just overwhelm the bounty hunters by force? You know, it's like that's like a little bit convenient. Well, I think that's also just tactical stuff, right? So you send the first wave in to see what the opposition is like, and then you send from this end in this end to try to overwhelm yeah, yeah. From different areas. Of course. So I kind of get it. No, and if that's your biggest criticism of an episode, that's a, still a pretty good episode. Pretty so. damn good. Exactly. Okay. All right. Should, should we, we move should on? Move? Yes. <laughs> Let's move on to the last two episodes, um, Brothers and Revenge. So um, Billy Bob is back. He is on his uh, quest to find uh, Darth Maul. And um, after join after getting to a trash planet, he does find him, but he's in a weird mental state. So he takes him back to Mother Talzin on Dathomir. 
to restore his mental state, give him real legs instead of those weird spider legs. And then they together go to Radonia and murder a bunch of people to get Obi-Wan out of the woodworks to come and find him. Obi-Wan then does go to them and gets captured. And in the midst of torturing him, Aventris comes in and not not intentionally, but ends up saving Obi-Wan's life. And they then vow to exact revenge eventually. It is going to be, and setting up, you know, the future Maul Obi-Wan conflicts of the future. It's the first time we see the red title card. Yes, I noticed that. It's so nice. I love it. It's so good. So we will refer to him as Billy Bob again, but uh, uh, yeah, the name Savage Press is still stupid. I love how they leaned into it in this episode. I think there was really? a moment where, hold on one second. Oh, I forget. They they called him Savage Oppress or whatever. And they like just says instead of Savage. And it was so funny how they're just like, all right, they're leaning into how silly the name is. But they already like, I think maybe George Lucas named him. And then season four, they were just like, oh, this is so stupid. But we're stuck with it. So let's just make a joke about it. Yeah, that's a good point. Probably the worst thing about this is um, the voice performance of the cargo pilot. It's so oh, bad. Okay. It's so mismatched. It's so casual. Oh, you're not going to kill me, are you? It's like, no. What the fuck? Like, this is like super creepy, scared. strong guy, like, and is like there and forcing you to do stuff. And he's like, yeah, sure. You're like, I'll fly you there. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what are you doing? Like, this is. I, f I don't know, maybe that was like a celebrity cameo or something because nobody should get away with doing something that's so mismatched with, what, with what's happening on the screen. Yeah, that's interesting. It didn't, it didn't bother me too much because I was just like focusing on Billy Bob. But that's a good point. He didn't really seem panicked as much as he should have been, to be honest. I mean, he also died pathetically and he was a side character. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I didn't care about the character. It's just... But it's also the animation. He didn't like cower or anything. He was like, yeah, sure, whatever. He, he like sounded more annoyed that he had to go take this guy than like scared for his life. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is inconvenient. He's like, oh, come on. You're like getting killed and you know it. Um. Anyway, but there's like a bunch of bad writing, especially in the first episode. I guess the worst line of this episode is like, the dust is a clue. It's like, what? <laughs> That's almost like I hate sand. Oh my God. Yeah, that is real stupid. So we have this really weird space snake that just won't let go. Yeah, also weird. Also, yeah. kind of, I mean, it makes sense that he he, he does is doing it for his own um, ends. In the very end, he does end up betraying Billy Bob. Yeah, like that kind of makes sense. Uh, but the voice is kind of annoying for that as well. Billy Bob has this like blind faith that Maul is just going to be on his side. He might, you know, he could ostensibly just kill him. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't in the state that he was in originally, but still, that was weird. Also, so first of all, it's a bad situation, you know, when Billy Bob is the more coherent of the two. Right. So that was a little bit concerning. But I really liked personally how Maul was psychologically freaking damaged by the um, experience that he went through. I mean, he got cut in half. That's gonna yeah, right? leave some trauma. That'll fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. But again, like, how the fuck did he survive that? Do they ever... I mean, I guess they don't. 
like address that but it's just so stupid i mean i love that he's back don't get me wrong but it's just when you get cut in half you should not survive the interesting thing is though i will say this Mm -hmm. is that part of lightsabers is that they don't um they actually like so the cuts are cauterize the wound exactly they literally do that so he doesn't bleed out yeah because if you literally get cut at your hips Nothing technically is vital underneath. Yeah. Well, it depends on who you ask. But <laughs> <laughs> you can survive as, as long as that wound is cauterized, right? So it sort of does make some sense. I mean, obviously not easy, yeah. but it, it's not like he would, it was cut with a sword and it would just bleed out and needs to actually have surgery. Yeah, I guess so. So, for example, like you could get your arm cut off. Like with a lightsaber, you're fine. You get your arm caught off with no lightsaber with like a regular blade, you're going to die. Yeah. Right? And he didn't get stabbed through anything um, vital. So it kind of makes sense. It makes more sense than the fucking Emperor because the Emperor went to a core of a Death Star and exploded. Yes. (laughs) Of course. Nothing compares to that bullshit. So actually, like in my head, it kind of makes sense. Like he basically went in, got stuck with the trash, ate trash to stay alive for and then ended up in this random ass planet and like yeah so i mean and obviously like it's not explained all he says is my hatred kept me alive my hatred kept me alive my desire for revenge kept me alive kenobi 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 it kind of reminded me of uh voldemort in harry potter like a little oh, bit he interesting just utterly defeated the one th- he's like barely alive and he he's just thinking about like revenge Kind of, yeah. I think that's a good comparison. And it is even even like Maul kind of gets a new body here, which is also what happens uh, in Harry Potter. Spoiler alert. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, I like that comparison. So actually, I don't mind the fact that he is the way, even the way that he brought brought back to life. Like I, I think it kind of makes sense, some sense. And also, like Obi Wan does say, like I should have, I'll cut, I should have cut aimed for your neck or what. Yeah, yeah, or just you know, not horizontally, just but vertical, vertically. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, Mother Mother Tolson um, cures Maul of his mental condition, I guess. I love the voice acting from Maul; it's so good from the beginning, and like especially when he gets his like wits about him again. Oh yeah. my god, he's so good. He's pretty cool. But yeah, we get to this point where I was thinking, okay, this is getting a little bit too much for a kids show. Like earlier with the um, with the revivified uh, Night Sisters, like that was pretty scary looking. And here, what's implied, you know, you see the children, and Maul just goes there and kills everyone. I love the uh, the plan to get you know do put a bounty on Billy Bob so that you know. I feel like they they specifically targeted ventures for that. That's like ta- almost like a targeted ad. That's so funny. And then Maul, so so Obi Wan goes there and you know is trying to fight off Maul, and then gets surprised that Billy Bob is there as well, and gets overpowered. And then you know Maul, of course, he wants Obi Wan to suffer, and I get that. But at the same time, this this stupid thing villains do, where they want to torture the good guys and that's you know if they had just outright killed them yeah i noted that as well it's one of my things that i don't like that's kind of what game of thrones for example subverted sometimes it's like we're not you think there's going to be a torture scene but they just kill them and then on um, the other hand there's just a single torture scene for two seasons <laughs> yeah i know Ugh. 
Ventress basically is like the cavalry to save Obi-Wan, which was, again, a little convenient. But, I mean, the fights were great, you know, with the red lightsabers, no less, and the two dual-wielding lightsabers, and Obi-Wan versus Maul, Ventress versus Billy Bob. Again, Clone Wars, so good. They... In, in the movies, you only see Anakin struggling with his uh, affection and uh, his rage. But here, Maul taunts Obi-Wan because of Qui-Gon into a rage, which, of course, you know, as a Jedi, shouldn't be possible or is not cool. But, you know, it is what it is. And I think that, again, it's so cool that they do this here, that Obi-Wan kind of gives in into his rage because of, you know, Maul taunts him about killing his master and all of that. It's amazing. They're adding so much depth to Obi-Wan as a character here, where it's just like, yes, everyone struggles with these things. Mm-hmm. And it's not about being a perfect Jedi. It's about be managing all of these things in yourself. And everyone slips up. Exactly. And I think it is amazing how Obi-Wan is actually worse as a fighter when he is enraged as well. Mm. I think it's a really nice touch there to show how, you know, he loses his composure. He doesn't only really get angry, but he actively, you know, loses himself. And it's an amazing little touch to his character. And to show like, oh, Obi-Wan also struggles. Because often, okay, Obi-Wan and Anakin are juxtaposed with one another, right? And yeah. Obi-Wan being the poster boy for a proper Jedi, Anakin being the opposite of that clearly but in this case it's like oh no obi-wan struggles with attachment and love obi-wan struggles with anger and hatred and everyone does and oh it's just so good so much better yeah and i I love the uh the relationship and the back and forth between obi-wan and ventress so cool and again that just adds to to ventress as a character i think she's not just this you know comically overdrawn villain but she, I mean, she doesn't do it out of like her good natured heart, but because it's expedient for her. But still, like she does the right thing. And uh, yeah, Obi-Wan comments on that as well. And it's it's really cool. God, it's such a great way to, you know, end a season. End a season by adding a the villain, adding a villain. It's such a great way to end it. I'm really happy about it. I would say that Maul really is just such the per- the perfect ingredient that the Clone Wars needed. It needed a villain that could replace the Chancellor as this all-encompassing villain mm-hmm. who is like, because Ventress is not really that. You know, she's good, but she's not a villain per se. You know, none of the other characters are good villains. Obviously, the fall of the Republic and the Clone Wars itself can be the villain, but... You know, Maul works as just such a great... He has a layer of depth. And it's it's just amazing addition to the narrative halfway through the show. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I think it's a very good sign that I can't wait to watch the next few episodes. Yes. So, well done, Clone Wars. So which which episodes are we watching? We will be watching episodes one through nine. Ooh, Nice. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. If you didn't like the show, you're used to listening. Five stars. If you want to get in touch, there are a few ways you can do that. Website. <sighs> no, it's email. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> email. Okay. Write us an email to hello at seriallyhook.com.
Website. If you had said Twitter now, I would have ended the call. Uh, <laughs> you can check out our website and suggest future topics at seriallyhooked.com. Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at seriallyhooked. If you like the show, tell a friend or 10 and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference and helps people discover the show. Cool. Oh my God. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I, I think you can leave the last one in as is, like with yeah, me fucking fun. up. I don't go I don't go take a shit without my laptop. Good to know. But instead of Rhydonium, you have a girl in a box. Exactly. Girl on a box, yeah. Um also a good yeah. title. Also a great title. We're just killing it with titles today. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think another good title would be I I don't sh- I don't go to shit without my laptop. <laughs> no, we can't do that. I mean it's amazing, <laughs> but it is like it's a little bit too far. It's a little much. Oh uh, man, it's great though. Yeah, I lo- I love the last title though, Old Imperialist Asshole. Yeah, that's, that's, it is that so was a good one. I I took notes. I took like I had like six six other titles at that point, but as soon as I don't even. I think I was. Uh, it was me who said it. It was like, no, this has to. I I can just like throw this list away. It doesn't. It won't get any better than this. No, it's a great uh, title for sure. So I'm I'm like surprised like they let us have a title with the word asshole in it though. Why not? We have an explicit tag. Oh, true. So we can whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, our title could be like fuck, fuck, McFuckity fuck, <laughs> and it'll be fine, right? That's the title of the episode. <laughs> We're just gonna include this whole discussion. Please. All right. So back to Dathomir. <laughs> if you want to get in touch, there are a few ways you can do that. Wait, which one was first? Website. Now email. Shit. Email. <laughs> <laughs> Write us an email to hello at serialhook.com. Email? No, website. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so out of it right now. Okay. Can we start from this t- 